Welcome back to the book podcast. And uh, today we're going to keep reading in, in Search of Lost Time from Marcel Proust. And he's still waking up and we have more and more gradually now being kind of transitioning and blending into his childhood memories uh, and, and the feeling of, of his uh, early experiences. So we're going to continue here. Riding at a jerky trot, Golo, his mind filled with an infamous design, issued from the little three-cornered forest which dyed dark green the slope of a convenient hill and advanced by leaps and bounds towards the castle of poor Genevieve de Brabant. This castle was cut off short by a curved line which was in fact the circumference of one of the transparent ovals in the slides which were pushed into position through a slot in the lantern. It was only the wing of a castle and in front of it stretched a moor on which Geneviève stood, lost in contemplation, wearing a blue girdle. The castle and the moor were yellow, but I could tell their color without waiting to see them, for before the slides made their appearance, the old gold sonorous name of Brabant had given me an unmistakable clue. Golo stopped for a moment and listened sadly, to the little speech read aloud by my great-aunt, which he seemed perfectly to understand, for he modified his attitude with a docility not devoid of a degree of majesty, so as to conform to the indications given in the text. Then he rode away at the same jerky trot, and nothing could arrest his slow progress. If the lantern were moved, I could still distinguish Golo's horse advancing across the window curtains, swelling out with their curves and diving into their folds. The body of Golo himself, being of the same supernatural substance as his steeds, overcame all material obstacles, everything that seemed to bar his way. By taking each as it might be a skeleton and embodying it in himself. The door handle, for instance, over which adapting itself at once would float invisibly his red cloak or his pale face, never losing its nobility or its melancholy, never showing any sign of trouble at such transubstantiation. And, indeed, I found plenty of charm in these bright projections, which seemed to have come straight out of a Merovingian past, and to shed around me the reflections of such ancient history. So, just to have a bit of context, so it's, he's still now in his childhood memories, and then he has this lamp with a lantern with shades coming out of the lamp because of like the lamp shade is projecting images around the room, so they're floating around the room as illusions for him. Uh, and we will soon see what this means symbolically. But I cannot express the discomfort I felt at such an intrusion of mystery and beauty into a room which I had succeeded in filling with my own personality until I thought no more of the room than of myself. The anesthetic effect of custom being destroyed, I would begin to think and to feel very melancholy things. The door handle of my room, which was different to me from all other door handles in the world, inasmuch as it seemed to open of its own accord and without my having to turn it, so unconscious had this manipulation become. Lo and behold, 
it was now an astral body for Golo. And as soon as the dinner bell rang, I would run down to the dining room, for the big hanging lamp, ignorant of Golo and Bluebeard, but well acquainted with my family and the dish of stewed beef, shed the same light as on every other evening, and I would fall into the arms of my mother, whom the misfortunes of Genevieve de Brabant had made all the dearer to me, just as the crime of Golo had driven me to a more than ordinarily scrupulous examination of my own conscience. But after dinner, alas, I was soon obliged to leave Mama, who stayed talking with the others, in the garden if it was fine, or in the little parlor where everyone took shelter when it was wet. Everyone except my grandmother, who held that it is a pity to shut oneself indoors in the country, and used to carry on endless discussions with my father on the very wettest days, because he would send me up to my room with a book instead of letting me stay out of doors. That is not the way to make him strong and active, she would say sadly, especially this little man who needs all the strength and character that he can get. My father would shrug his shoulders and study the barometer, for he took an interest in meteorology, while my mother, keeping very quiet so as not to disturb him, looked at him with tender respect, but not too hard, not wishing to penetrate the mysteries of his superior mind. But my grandmother, in all weathers, even when the rain was coming down in torrents and Francoise had rushed indoors with the precious wicker armchairs, so that they should not get soaked, you would see my grandmother pacing the desert, deserted garden, lashed by the storm, pushing back her gray hair in disorder so that her brows might be more free to imbibe the life-giving draughts of wind and rain. She would say, at last one can breathe, and would run up and down the soaking path, too straight and symmetrical for her liking, owing to the want of any feeling for nature in the new gardener, who my father had been asking all morning if the weather was going to improve, with her keen jerky little step regulated by the various effects wrought upon her soul by the intoxication of the storm. The force of hygiene, the stupidity of my education and of symmetry in gardens, rather than by anxiety, for that was quite unknown to her to save her plum-colored skirt from the spots of mud under which it would gradually disappear to a depth which always provided her maid with a fresh problem and filled her with fresh despair. So we are yet another one of those um, um, kind of very, uh, one of those techniques that Proust is using a lot. So he, he goes in from this bit like mysterious, magical, illusionary uh, light figures around his room and how he feels about the room and it's an extension of himself to very detailed kind of minute description of of a little scene with his grandmother and his parents and being out and when it starts to rain and what to do with the furniture. Um, and then just filling this mass of of, sh of showing different kinds of memories. So um, memory is one of the main themes of, of the whole of the work and the function of memory and the, kind of the treasures of the memory and what the memories can, can help you with. 
So he's, he's already expanding the mass of memory with the details. And you will also gradually get more and more understanding of why he's doing this. So we're going to stop this one there. And uh, this, lan this magic lantern lamp will be uh, a very important symbol and metaphor very shortly. So uh, yeah, we're going to stop it here. And then uh, just want to say thank you so much for listening. Hope some of this was interesting. And uh, see you again soon.